You are listening to the Bullet List Podcast, and I have to say, I cannot believe that my father-in-law introduced me to these two idiots. Greetings, listeners. Hello, Keith. How are you doing? Good, Bob. What's up? All sorts. Anything particular? <laughs> well, I don't know. The world's go. We got it. Finally got out of COVID, and now the world is going up in flames. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to move. To the Dominican well, Republic? I was about to suggest that. Yes. I know somebody who's down there. And, and who would that be down there in the lovely DR? It would be our lovely guest, the multi-talented Francesca. Oh, hello. You should definitely come down here. It's pretty nice weather in winter and pretty safe from COVID right now and far away from the <laughs> Europe. As far away from the bombs as you can be. Yes. Yeah. And I will say, I actually love the DR. We did an event in the, we did an event in the Dominican Republic. It's got to be 10 years ago. And it was such a pleasant place. It really oh. was. Oh, it is lovely. It's stunning. I mean, like the weather, the people, and just all around. I mean, it's my first time here, and I'm loving it so far. So, okay, well, now we're gonna now we're going down rabbit holes, which we always <laughs> do. So, when down there, are you? Did you guys rent it like an Airbnb? Or yes, we're a long time Airbnb. So we're like on our been about a month and a half here now. So first one got one for a month, and now we're like on our second one for another month here and then probably go for another long-term stay for another airbnb next month so my kid is 16 he can stay home by himself (laughs) (laughs) while you escape the bombs that's that's really nice of you (laughs) yeah that did okay yeah uh, probably not a good idea i think maybe we should move along and say well let's do a proper introduction of francesca because we've gone straight into it so Francesca, you are an event web and marketing specialist and an events podcast host for BBR Web Design. Sounds all good. I am, yes. I come a bit from that event marketing background and specialized a bit in in websites, especially in the marketing area. And yeah, recently launched also events podcasts like you guys um, with events cast. So yeah, doing a bit, a lot of everything right now. So I got I will ask. So how did you pick the event space to do to because it's really cool, right? There are not too many of you. Um, you know, how did you pick that space? So I think like events is something that has always been me um, from a very young age. You know, you're always that party planner at school, always the person that organizes everything. Events has always been my thing. But um, I went on to study PR and, and marketing, advertising. Um, and really from there, it was events really then came into place a lot my first um job when I was marketing assistant at a startup um startup a trading startup so I was then organizing their attendance at trade shows all around the world UK Singapore um New York Chicago so that's really when the first real play came in and that's where the passion really started in the actual events so from that moment I knew I wanted to go down, not just general marketing of everything. I wanted to do marketing for events because, and you know, I was just like in love of both doing the marketing, the attendance of a startup, but mostly organizing, you know, I really liked actual, because we also organized a lot of like meetups for, Mm -hmm. well, for the company to invite um, their attendees to. So we were organizing, inviting people, doing all the registration and everything, the whole actually creating events. And that's really what I found my passion in marketing was marketing events, not marketing products or any other area. That and, and that is cool, right? Because you, you, it's all, it's always interesting to see people what turns brought them into the industry, because for most people, they did it wasn't what they studied in school. It wasn't what right they they did something that brought them in. Like for example, you know you know your story, and then I actually started off in the re- bar and restaurant industry, the nightclub industry, um, and working until five in the morning or seven in the morning doesn't really go with long-term relationships right so i did what i what i knew which was liquor and so i went to work for the national restaurant show right in and you know selling booth space to liquor companies um so you do what you know i guess and now here we are 20 years later for me yeah absolutely i think 
I think like um, in a way, like obviously I mostly have a conversation with that. Most people fall a bit into events and it's something that, I mean, nowadays, like there's a lot of university studies in events management, but I think also a few years ago and a few decades ago, there wasn't mostly people that studied events before. And I guess like my point of it, marketing events is a bit into marketing, especially from that perspective of events is a marketing strategy for many in himself. So it was a bit in there, but yeah, I mean, then choosing the actual industry as a niche like especially now that we're doing website specialization like then yeah in the marketing I specialized in web design in itself and like you say right out there nowadays there's a lot of people that just do website and just do it in general but just not so much in that industry specific base when I mean I think you also in events you need to love the industry or not I mean events is a crazy industry um we I think we are unique human beings um just social people yeah you know so, with so many skills so many you have to be an agile worker and likely to you know to change and stress work with stress and everything that um you are i think you're an events person or you're not so it's it's almost like saying you know um either you are born to do events or you're not because however that doesn't mean to say that you're an extrovert because i know from the people i've met in the industry a lot of them are introverts, as in they look, yeah, mm-hmm. pointing, pointing to yourself there, Keith. So a lot of them introverts, they love the organisation, but it doesn't mean mm-hmm. to say they want to be out front doing it. Well, and, that, and people do. They, they were like, well, how did you work in the nightclub industry? It's like, because I started off as a bartender, so I'm behind the bar. I've got my own space. I don't have mm-hmm. to interact with you except to make a drink, right? If, if you interest me, I will hang around and talk. But if not, I can go do something else. Yeah. Yeah, and also you can be quite passionate about the the tech side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, just really love getting people connected on the, using event tech. Doesn't mean to say that you're actually going to be participating in it. Yeah. I yes. think there are so many roles in the industry. Yeah, because you need that person, that extrovert at the door, who basically speaks to every single person who walks through your events and greets everyone and chats everyone up, and and you need that approval. But at the same time, you need more. I think those what maybe introverts fit more better into a role, you know, the techie organization skills, the people that can focus to actually get the logistics of the events working. Like for me, I know myself, I'm not great at that logistics at event because I see someone down the hall and I end up speaking half an hour with them and I forget that the stage needs to be running and where's the mic, you know, because I am a two of an extrovert really. But I think like you really need both, both scares of people to actually get, to get it on, on hand, to get an yeah. event working. So, Bob, we should probably now this might end up being the episode, but we actually came here to talk about something else, which are conference and event websites. Okay, so, Keith, do you want to start off with first question? Yeah, and it's a huge question. Um, So, you know, being a third party planner, as I am, um, you know, we deal a lot with with clients, event websites, conferences, websites. and it's always a challenge, um, but it's really cool to be talking to a, a website professional because I think, you know, what are some of the biggest mistakes um, that events, associations, anyone who's planning an event, what are the biggest mistakes that they're making with their websites, whether it's a new site or even a redesign? And I know that those might be two different directions, um, but what are what do you see as some of the biggest mistakes that they're making? Keith, you're so right there. That is a massive question and very likely the first and maybe even the last because <laughs> I'm not giving another <laughs> time and half an hour to reply to that. There, there is definitely so many on the list. I'm going to try to do this in an organized way so we can try to get through this. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to start by the beginning of like actually building a website and what I usually see the biggest mistake is and it is not really creating a journey for you to take your users on on your website um i think a lot of people when they create in or redesign in a website you sometimes focus on just the prettiness of it or putting content in there as many people gather the assets gather the content for website everything before really planning it out i think there is a journey like the same as we talk a lot of times about creating an attendee journey speaker's journey for your events i think it's many times people forget about creating a website journey to take your user on from start to beginning so what do i mean about this um we need to think about really um you sh- you know people when they arrive to the website if you just got random things put around they won't go into a direction you really need to think about where people are coming in through the website but what they what your goal and their goal is at the end a website changes a lot okay this is some like nice dominican <laughs> 
um, announcements coming through to Bankwell. I'm not sure it's coming through to Mike, but he probably is. Just One benefit of being in the Dominican Republic. Hey, it makes it real, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it really does, and it just concentrates on the thought they're going. But um, can you hear me right, Sim? Yeah, we can see you. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I think you really just, like, a website does change a lot. Sometimes in your at events, you're sometimes in a stage one, maybe looking for sponsors and looking for speakers. You may be sponsored speaker acquisition, but then maybe later on, you're a delicate acquisition, looking for tickets. But what is your goal at that? And how are you going to get people to go from step one step a to b and that needs to map out people just don't get there on their own you need to be giving them the right thing at the right time and i think that's one of the biggest mistakes people really planning that out ahead of time and thinking how are you going to get them to achieve that goal how are you going to get them to buy a ticket how are you going to get them to to purchase um a sponsorship so for me that's like the first goal just people going right in and putting everything the first mistake is people just going in and putting everything around well, and and th that is actually kind of true, right? You know, and I'm going to use the last one, th mm -hmm. the last website that we created. You know, we have a client that does absolutely everything last minute. No matter what you do, they're going to be last minute. Um, and so when it finally comes time for them to put the site together, it ends up being knee jerk, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's we just throw it at the wall and make it look pretty. And that because that, you know, because no one has ever sat down and thought about, okay, if it's an attendee and they get here, what do we want mm -hmm. them to do? If it's a sponsor and they arrive, what do we want them to do? So that really is that I, ew, I never thought about that, but I have to agree with you. That is probably the biggest mistake. Yeah. I mean, people sometimes forget like websites that you actually need to take them by the hand in every moment, you know, like what do you want them to do when they first arrive? You know, usually it looks like you need to plan that out. Like if you put, for example, your refund policy at the top of your website well that's not the right moment for that you know they don't get there to see the refund policy there you know that comes at a certain time but what do they you know when someone arrives at a website what's the first thing that what's their first question when they when they come to event usually i mean if it's an attendee it's usually well when is it and where is it um can i attend this event second thing is well do i want to attend the event being the content which that's i find another very much a big mistake a lot of people think that the content is the first selling point and usually it's the biggest selling point where people are going to come but if your event, say, is in Australia and your attendee is in London, well, they don't, and they can't make it to your event, well, they don't really need to know all your speakers and the content, and they don't really want to waste the time reading all this information to then later on in the journey, which you've sold them in, and they're super hyped, and they want to come to this event, and then they say, oh, wait, it's another side of the world. I can't make it. So that's where it's really like putting the things in the right time. First, when someone arrives, they want to see when and where it is. That answering that first question someone has, what's the first question in their mind when they're coming on it? Well, when is this event and can I make it? Oh, yeah. it is here. It's this date. I can make it. I'm going to invest a bit more time now to find out more about the event. So what is the event about? Who's, what speakers are going to be there? What, what content is there going to be? What topics are we going to be talking about? Do I want to attend that event? Basically, is the next question. Then the next question that's going on through their mind is, well, you know, I know I can be there. I know I want to be there. Well, how can I get there? Being ticketing. What? what is the registration like how 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 do you need to register is it a free event is it a paid event if it's a paid event well what does it include you know i think this is a massive mistake too when people put registrations on the site and especially when it's paid they forget to say what's included in the tickets oh my god we see this so many times just like a price here's your price and then people are like well i'm giving you a hundred dollars for what uh, is lunch included? Is transport included? Are all the sessions or the free days of the event included? Is one day that after party, that super pool after party that I've seen, is that included? You know, all these questions are going around people's mind right now. And so many times people focus on just like that massive button, buy a ticket. I don't want to focus people. I'll tell them what's included after. I'll send them a great attendee journey saying that lunch is included and that they can put up. But people don't want to know. When they're paying, they want to know it before them. And there are all these questions that go around, like around registration, what so many people forget to fall out, like an FAQ right next to your registration. One of my main things, I spend my life trying to convince people to put, <laughs> put there right next to your registration. And it's a fight I have with practically all our clients. They're like, oh, but no, I want them to contact me. I want them to reach out. I don't want them to know what we don't give a refund. And you're like, but wrong. People yeah. at that moment when they're buying, that's the, so we may be convinced them. People like, we've got through that part they know they can attend if they want to attend and in the moment all of us we do purchases online right now don't we um what happens in that moment when you're about to put your credit card you start to have questions you start to doubt 
you start to think, well, what can go wrong? Well, and that's true, right? If you have friction in the, in the registration process, right? You know, if, if, cause I, I have one of those clients, it's like, I want them to contact me. It's like, no, you really don't. You want them to be able to get that answer. So they continue on the journey to get to the, to the end, right? If you point them in another direction, they may never come back. Well, also, if you've got people doing the, you know, contact me to get this sorted, whether it's registration, whatever, if it proves to be really popular, you might have thousands of people just taking up your time and you're going to get nothing done. So automations in that, in that um, respect is fine. Absolutely. That's like one of the biggest things we get after. Like I get a lot of people that are saying after like, oh, but well, something's wrong with the site because I'm getting all these people asking these questions after. And it's like, well, first, having people ask questions is a good thing because if that's because they're interested in your event. Like uh, having a question is, in my opinion, good. But I think from that, like if you've got 10, 15, hundreds of people asking the same question, that question you need to answer ahead of time. Don't take them out. Like, like Keith, you said there very well. Um, they may be super hyped in one moment, ready to buy a ticket, ready to give you your hundred dollars with their card right there. The time when they email you and you email back, they've rethought of it. Oh, well, I don't want to attend this anymore. Or they just maybe that experience of emailing you and you emailing back, that experience maybe, yeah, friction has gone in there. And so then they decide not to. So why? You know, I mean, obviously there's always going to be more questions and I'm a massive fan of let people contact you because that's another massive mistake when people say i'm going to put a form on the side i'm going to make them con i'm not going to really give my contact details i don't want people sending me because yeah maybe like you bob said you're gonna have hundreds of people contact you so people say i don't want to contact me or you know i want them to to find it there and that's a massive mistake i see and i'm the biggest person are saying no allow people if they want to contact you contact you but there are questions you already know your user's going to be having you already know they're going to be asking, what happens if I can't make it? If I'm going to pay £100 right now for my ticket and I can't make it, do I get a refund? Yeah. So you can actually reduce the – so, yeah, so I was saying, you know, don't let people contact you too much because you'll have thousands of people mm. contacting you and that take up your time. However, if you have an effective um, Q&A section or an FAQ section, rather, then you're filtering out all the problems and everything beforehand. So instead of having hundreds of people contact you, you might be tens of people contacting you because they've got a unique situation that is not addressed in the FAQ. So basically you can filter out an awful lot of hassle, um, time-wasting questions, uh, things that people need to know they can find straight away, reducing friction. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can see why it's that important to have, especially nearby the place where they're more likely to have those questions not going to registration form. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on when it comes to contact on live chat? Um, you know, you know, do you find that it is something and I'll tell you, let me put mm -hmm. the context for this because, you know, when you have, I think live chat on a site is great, except if you can only do it from eight to five during the day, it may not be the greatest thing because for a lot of events, people are registering in the evening, you know, and then you get those one people that leave the chat on when there's no one there and mm -hmm. go in and it says, oh, someone will answer your question tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. You know, I think that in that case, it's better to go with an email. So just when it comes to contact, you know, what are your thoughts on live chat and is it something that you're mm -hmm. seeing? So, I mean, I think a contact i am also a massive fan of chat like i am also when i browse websites i'm that first person of clicking that chat button i think chat buttons are a massive opportunity and i think they are gonna grow more in the future when we also can automate it more i do agree it's sometimes quite annoying when you're not always live so like you said there it's very important like to see what your capabilities are and i think it's very important also to have someone in charge of it like i have seen cases when people have wanted to install a chat because they have the they they can and then there's no one really looking after it there's no one behind it really answering immediately so i think it really it really dep does depend of your team and who you have in charge of it do you have someone that can be answering that chat if so go for it i mean if not then if you don't if you can't have something all time well what can you do you know are there maybe can you maybe get a chat which has those most frequently asked questions or does there maybe a different way to reach out i do think like a chat if you're not going to have it always available i think there's things you can do to improve the experience of it 
So maybe, and maybe it is just hiding it. Like a lot of clients, what we have, if they only going to have eight to five, it's only visible from eight to five. Yeah. And it's not visible on the site in the rest of the hours. And the rest of the hours in that place, there is a contact me, which pop-up comes with your email address. So that is one way around it, like just showing it when it is available and not showing it when it's not. But also just like that message what's first going to appear. I think like there's always, I mean, for me, events are also about experience. What is like if you're not online, you know, is there maybe that boring message like you say, like, I oh, just aren't working at this hours. Please reach back at 8 a.m. Or could you maybe personalize that message, give it something really cool like our super event stars are recharging their brains right now to deliver great things tomorrow. We'll be back at 8 a.m. If you're if you really need to answer, you know, or if you're rushing, drop the message here. We'll come back to you. You know, how can you improve that experience? So even if you're not online, it's still, you know, that person on the other side, so you think like, oh, this is cool. Well, I'll wait till tomorrow for because probably their answer isn't not rushing and you can't reply to them anyway even if they send you an email until tomorrow at 8 a.m so how could you change their experience yeah well and make it fun right and that's the one thing you know because we work primarily with associations a few corporations mm -hmm. but a lot of some associations are just so stodgy and they wonder why they're not attracting a younger crowd right that's mm -hmm. actually with two big larger associations that i know of um we actually don't work with them they're they're friends that are that work there you know, when they're like, well, how do we attract younger members? It's like, well, act a little younger. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Well, this, this is all about um, setting expectations. Mm -hmm. This is setting the, the visitor to think in a certain way and to expect certain things. And basically that comes down to the site's content, not just having FAQ somewhere nearby, but actual statements of... Mm -hmm this is what we do, this is how we do it, and obviously you write it in the style suitable for your audience. And if you're looking mm -hmm. for a younger audience, as you say, you know, write for a younger audience. So that really comes down to site content, which should be updated on a, well, a regular basis. It should be a real frequent thing. Mm. Absolutely, and Bob, I mean, I think this is one of the, probably the biggest mistakes really you see out there is people just like creating a website and thinking that it's a one-time hit and you create it and you leave it there and great now six months to our events let it run let it work out and it's like it's so not true um an event a, a website really in any industry is a life thing it is not a it's not static it's not like oh it maybe evolves before. over time it so grows much. up it becomes better you add and it grows and evolves yeah. and mm -hmm. this is the thing in in the late 90s early 2000s the the whole idea of we will build it, they will come. Yeah. That was then. Not now. Really, really not now. And when you're up against a website, I mean, if you go, I'm going to build a website, it's got five pages, that'll do. That's fine. And you're up against a website that might have hundreds of pages. Mm -hmm. What's Google going to bring up? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you, but that is, uh, unfortunately, that is still the thought nowadays. Like, we work with so many people that are still... If I build it, they'll come. And the best thing is then when people come asking you like, SEO, yeah, set up for SEO for me. And I'm like, yeah, but what are you going to do about SEO? i <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, just put the keywords in. And I want to appear on the first result. Okay, okay oh. so what are you going to do to appear? Oh, oh no, you just set it up like that. And it's like, but well, that is not how it works. Content is key. Content is, and it's everything. And it's not always yeah. about the quantity. It's about the quality and about mostly hitting what we we're talking right before your audience what are your audience looking for when when they're when you're building a website for your event well events especially it's got so many moving parts um and it changes i mean come on event organizers you know practically every week it, it changes you've got new speakers you've got new topics you've got new everything um there's everything that's so new and that needs to reflect like on your website not just for seo purposes but if someone's coming to your website today, what new have you got to tell them? But yeah, for SEO too, how are people going to find them? All that content is so important to keep it 100% updated for SEO purpose and also for your audience and also be relevant and replying, you know, you're someone that's going to attend your event. Why are they attending? What quest, you know, what, what are they looking for? What are they actively looking for on, on an internet to find it? I mean, you have a lot of people that are maybe looking also for an event, you know, that makes type in finance industry events, but there are a lot of people that sometimes are looking for a solution of a problem. 
they will have a problem, they've got a pain point, and, and the solution is your event. So how can you deliver the solution to their problem and tell them to come to your event? Through well, I, I think one of the things that, <clears throat> that, that most of event producers, right, whether it's a, you know, whatever group, type of group it is, they don't realize that they do need to keep the content fresh. And, you know, you use posts to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, well, what are we going to write about? It's like your every little niche of your event is something that could be written about. And it doesn't even need to be hard. Like, for example, every time you have a new speaker, you can do, you know, new speaker announced, you know, mm-hmm. this is who it is. And here's their bio new sponsor, right? You can talk about those are two easy things that you can talk about. Um, but each session that you have, you know, you can, you know, you can have someone write an, write a quick article on, you know, this topic. And this is why we're doing this session. Right. And that goes to your pain point. You know, as someone is Googling, you know, they Google their pain point, your event is going to come up because you've written a post directly about that pain point. Well, this is the thing. If you've only got five pages to your site, it doesn't matter how well you've used the keywords, you know, to SEO the heck out of it. I mean, the thing is, if, for example, if you have an event in Chicago, you go, oh, yeah, I'll SEO that and I'll, I'll go for the keywords, Chicago and event. How many sites are you up against? You're not going to rank with only five pages. No. And and the other thing that we've talked about before in previous episodes is an event website can last all the way up to the next time it happens. Yeah. And it keeps the event in people's minds. So every week you share another little clip, another batch of pictures, uh, and after a certain amount of time you can start saying, well, we're doing next year's and we're now going to have this speaker. So the whole thing can last quite some time. Instead of restarting every year, you can actually maintain the momentum and mm-hmm. keep it in people's minds, which is half the task of marketing. Absolutely. So I've got two things there, one on what you were saying, Keith, and one obviously in this, what you're saying about the post event really um, website here. I mean, I think like with the content, you're so right. And I think this is the biggest missed opportunity event planners usually have with their website because I mean, anyone that's worked in any other industry, sometimes like even what I was saying to you before, like my first role in that trading company software, I mean, there I didn't have content, you know, and I had to produce content and I'm not a trader, you know, like literally there I could not produce content. But come on, an event is all about content. Okay, maybe we're not producing the content. Maybe we as event planners, we are planning the event. But our event is based on content. We've got all the content content. in the world. And so many people don't use, don't take advantage of it. And there's so much content. So, And sometimes, I mean, if it's your first event, I mean, because what can you do to get that content? Like you're saying, I mean, it's maybe just announcement. It's maybe just announcement, especially about the topic. I mean, if you're covering a specific session, like say something that would interest in myself, like how to improve your social media presence for events, you know, something like that. If you've got a session about that, that is usually like you were saying before, is a pain point of your user because otherwise you wouldn't be talking about that at your event. So it's very likely they're looking for that on Google. So why not have an article about that? covering that and then they're saying well this is just the the start of it come find out more from Keith Johnson at my event um ahead of time from your speaker and I love I mean this we could go down this rabbit hole for hours and hours but for event producers that are out there and association folks you don't necessarily have to write the content yourself when it comes to the point ask the speaker to do it Mm -hmm. make it be part of their agreement to speak at your event okay great you're also going to write us a four paragraph, mm-hmm. you know, post about why people should attend your session, which, mm-hmm. you know, can, you know, it that's great. It's not the session description that, that goes in the schedule. This is something mm-hmm. separate that will actually go out as a post. If you had every speaker do that and you had an event, we'll look at one of my, one of my clients, they have, their event is four days, mm-hmm. 18 tracks a day uh, per, per per time period. Think about yeah. that. They actually would have, if they were able to do that now, and granted, not every speaker is going to mm-hmm. do it, but if they got half of them to do it, they still would have so much content. They could never fit it in in a year. Absolutely. I, I mean, uh, and that's gold. I mean, and yeah, you're not even, you're just putting in agreement and your speakers, a lot of them are thought leaders and experts in the world. So they've got this super high quality content for you. Yeah. And they, also looking for more of to be out there they're looking for articles they're usually looking to 
guest or blog podcast or whatever it is, you know, they if they're in the industry, they're usually looking to get out more. They're like, why not take advantage of that? And if it's not of your coming one of your past sessions, like this, your event's just gone. You don't, you've got the content there. Even get a few in, content writer interns to transcript really the sessions at your event. Write a few blog articles that you can use for next event. Write yeah. to watch content you can get from it for your next events. And while you're at the event, you've got video, right? You can, you know, if you're recording your sessions, great. That's content, you know, and I know some people want to keep them behind a locked door, but you can use snippets of that content. You can use, you know, if you're one that doesn't want to lock it behind a door, you can put out those sessions mm -hmm. as podcasts. You can, you know, one of the cool things that we do with one of our newer clients is, you know, we have all the equipment there to record the sessions. Well, we actually started bringing a couple extra cameras mm -hmm. and we have people that walk around and do testimonials. They just walk the hallway and grab mm -hmm. people and do testimonials. So they're just, I mean, the amount of content that they're capturing, again, they'll never be able to use it all before <laughs> the next event. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so as event planners, we have so much content in our hands that is like, um, I mean, we've worked, with, I've worked with many people before that sometimes they, we talk about just recording it and yeah, some people don't want to do the recording and don't want to put it out or don't really have the budget because actually to produce high quality recordings, videos is expensive. But sometimes for me, it's just like, just stick a camera, don't even get anyone to manage it just to get the content and then just give it to someone, uh, someone in your team, you know, to a copywriter preferably you know get a copywriter just just write as many content articles out of your whole day from those recordings you don't even need them to be at the event just pass them on and that can give you a whole year's worth of content and and i and i forgot there was somebody and oh and their name is escaping me right now i can see his face um but he had a they were in canada and they had a company that literally they would come to your event and that that's what they do they they sit in the sessions and then they mm -hmm. summarize them and literally they can have it done by that afternoon. If it's a morning session, they'll have it done that afternoon. Oh my heavens. I mean, that's spectacular. Absolutely. And yeah, I think this ties in really nicely with what Bob was saying there before of like the advantage of like after. And I think that is one other like mistake also what happens so much. Like people many times, especially if they're only running like one flagship event or a couple of year, you forget about changing the event on the day and post event really. Um, can't tell you how many events sites I've seen like past the day of the event and they're still announcing to buy tickets. <laughs> and you're like, this event was in 2020, buy tickets here. And then you go to a broken link because that's plugged in with a ticketing system, which obviously is no longer on. And that affects your SEO mostly. If you've got all these broken links and things are going wrong, if um, it, for the next time you want to launch it, but also with me as a user, okay, how many times have you you know you find the email late in your inbox you're maybe off for a week so you find an email late you find one of these late social medias you sit you saw someone on your social post about this event and you're like wow that looks really cool even on the day of let me go and see what that's about and you go onto a site when everything's broken well you've lost me as a future attendee yeah so you know and there's such a missed opportunity i think especially on the day of so many people forget to flip their event their site on the day of the event because really, if you think about it, who's going to be coming to your event onto your site on the day of the event? Well, they're usually your people who are trying to get to your event and they need a series of things like, where is your event? I am lost. I can't make it there. What is the agenda? What was the speaker session? What was the lineup? There's all these questions people have on the day of the event. If they're coming to your site and you've still got your buy tickets, you know, they're like, well, wait, I, I'm not looking for this. I'm looking for the details of how to get the event. And then you usually have a different user. What are the people that are seeing all these posts on social media about this event that the whole industry at? And they're asking, well, what is this event about? And so many times the day of the event is where most traffic comes to the site and they're not actually targeted to it. But then post event, you know, why take advantage of continue uploading all that content and get uh, get new registrations for next time. Well, first you can already pre-launch your next event. Okay, maybe you don't have dates to pre-launch, but get people to join a waiting list. Get people yeah. to to lock in the fifty percent discount. Whoever look but gets it this next month, you know, the next forty-eight hours after your event, get them to pre-lock the same price. Even if you don't have a day, you don't have the logistics let yet. Continue that, it. Keep it live. That is one of the biggest failures that that mm -hmm. I think is not capturing this year's attendees to attend next year. Mm -hmm. We had one client. <clears throat> this is actually 
a number of years ago, but on the last day of the, they didn't even know where the next event was going to be, or if they did, they hadn't announced mm -hmm. it yet, but they would literally have people. They're like, if you sign up for next year today, sight unseen, and back then it was paper forms, right? Mm -hmm. it, you know, sign up now and you'll get $50 off your registration. And at the end of it, they would have a stack of registrations already for the following year. Yeah. Right. So why not do that mm. in the electronic world? Mm. You know, and I think it's important to note that, you know, when it comes to changing things like on the day of the event, these are all things that can be set up beforehand that will just, that it's automated, right? So on the day of the event, it's not like you have to have someone in a room making all these changes. You can schedule these changes to go live on a particular day, you know, Absolutely. to make sure. Yeah, and sometimes like as event planners that we work a lot on the day to day, like I think that's where sometimes these things go wrong that you don't really have the time, you know, there's so much going on in the event planning world that you, that you're like right now suffering to get everything that's happening right now. So you forget to think what's going to happen after your event and your event is obviously the most important piece that you forget what's happening after. And that's where but you're so like that day of the event and that post event site could be created months in advantage, you can plan your strategy for your next event before even getting this event way before just have it ready you just it's a flip it's a button that you then need to change it's so easy not even you don't have to have someone at four o'clock in the morning after your event after running around all day changing no. yeah okay you maybe if you want to put some photos on there you maybe need some manual thing to chuck a couple of photos on there or just put up i don't know like a twitter embed in there so that they're coming through the photos that your attendees are sharing on the day on that post event um site so people can see photos from the day and maybe you change it the next day or when you're a bit rested but but yes yeah, the biggest because also like from a marketing point of view that's the hottest time the warmest time people are to buy your next one your next event um especially if you've given them an amazing experience if they've just come to your event and they've actually loved it they will give you anything to come again to live yeah. that experience again not three months later when they've forgotten about oh yeah i remember how well i felt that that, you know, you can obviously, there's so many marketing strategies to relive that experience way on. But in that's the moment, they'll be like, take all my money right now. I just want to live this again. And okay, it might not be into next year's time. But if well, I can just you, say like, I can lock you in it right now here. <laughs> and you get on their calendar, right? They, they have something they can put on their calendar so that it's already booked. And, you know, because we all know how everyone's calendars are nowadays, right? They yeah. fill up months and months in advance. So if you can lock this in for them, that far out they'll actually appreciate it even more oh yeah and getting them to promote it too let's like not forget about that because most you know i mean from events a lot of referrals are one of the biggest source of getting you um getting new leads getting new ticket sales like someone saying oh i'm going to this event oh what's that event about and them selling onto it so if you getting people to refer you only when they register a month or two months ahead of time well what potential would you maybe have if they registered a whole year you know if, if they tell 10 people when they register a month before and of those 10 people they tell you maybe get five what happens if they maybe register a whole year ahead and they tell 10 people a month you know you could get so much so much bigger reach because they're like oh next year i'm going to this event there's there's so much that can do actually um and yeah we're really not getting past this question <laughs> right we I, was, I was about to say that um, this is a subject uh, topic that we could do multiple episodes on, but this was question one. <laughs> well, it had some questions. It had some questions. Yeah. Well, you had. Yeah, but it was all sort of like follow up to number one still. Okay. So, yeah. I, as I say, we can talk about that ever more because there are always little things that people could do better to make their websites. Um, <laughs> better from a search engine point of view, better from a user experience point of view. But let's switch it over to, back to the um, the owners of the website, whether it's an event or an association. So, and I know you've had experience with this, Keith. So, and a website, you can create a website that is standalone. It has no real connection to anything else. So for, like, for example, there's an organized, an association who organizes an event, and they've created a website which mm -hmm. seems to be separate from the association. So, yep. in your view, Francesca, should this website be a standalone? And I'm sure you're going to use the word depends in a minute. Should it be a separate thing or should it be tagged on to the existing presence? So, the association already has a website which everybody visits, everybody comes to for latest information about mm -hmm. the association. Should the event be? on that or should it be separate or is there 
hybrid version or an in-between kind of thing yeah so you're spot on bob where that depends is going to come right into right now i mean depends is it's it depends on so many things um so i'm going to talk a few cases through and let's see what it depends on i think it depends mostly on your brands so what is the brand of your association and what brand do you want to relate it with your events and what are the brands of your events um it's like when you launch a new product you know and you see a lot of products launching it when they launch then sub products of it do how much relation do they want it to have with that parent product so let's go on that so i mean maybe that association um wants to link the events with their with their own brand they want it to be part of the brand and maybe they have a strong enough brand that it's maybe because they already having a lot of maybe getting massive traffic towards their site already so if you are getting massive traffic in a way it would be a missed opportunity to start something from new you know if you are a media publisher that you're getting thousands of um views every month well why would you st- set up something totally new which is going to be so different different to get people towards well, i mean maybe there's a reason maybe you don't really want to relate the brand of your event with the brand of your association but i think it really i mean mostly for me it comes down to that thinking of the brand the relation of the brand because i mean so many people do want to create underneath different brands for the events and maybe the reply i mean i've seen a lot of clients that what they do they have maybe the association and they have certain events which fall underneath and they fall in the same website because they are like events of brand, but then they maybe have two, three massive conferences a year, which for them and for their marketing overall plan, it makes more sense to build a really strong brand out of this event, which stands alone. Maybe also sometimes it's your events that support the association. Maybe that's a massive, you know, many people forget a strategy that that this event brand is so strong and then that supports the other business more than association supporting the events you know i think it depends a lot which way you're going and the opportunities you have there because there's a lot of i mean there's there's and there's various different ways to do it also too i mean like if your event is also association.com you know you could have your events in that like association.com slash event number one or it could be then subdomains of it more like event one dot association.com you know this and it's like also a lot of question when many people have also one maybe brand that is global you know how do you do it you know maybe they're running one event brand but in four different locations in different places of the world how do they you know if you've got a different one for each one are they you know that and it, it really it really is it depends but yeah I think it depends I think you need to think about you know who's going to support who is it the event supporting the association or the or the association supporting the event and do you want there to be any association do you want there to be a link if you want there to be a link i think they do need to be together if you want to if you want there to be you know knowing that it's supporting and you want to support each other i think they do need to be together somehow but many times you don't they might not want to be them any any association any any relation i think i can give some sort of like an example to that um you might be a mag, um, an event magazine publisher, mm-hmm. and if you're creating a show, I'm thinking of Confex in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, that's produced by the big magazine. There's many, many titles, uh, or the big publisher's got many titles, and they do the show. So the show itself is now quite well, very popular, obviously, you know, the big industry show. Mm-hmm. So that has its own website. And it has links back to, you know, the publishing and all that sort of thing. But it effective, effectively, that is like a brand all by itself. So it has a website by itself and not necessarily tagged on the end of uh, the publisher's website. So I, I can see how that would work because, I say, it, the brand is big enough to support it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I've seen that happen multiple times, like first when sometimes an event launches and it's a smaller, so sometimes it starts off as being an event within the brand of the association and sometimes it starts off like that uh, because sometimes it's the early days but the event many times it grows well, maybe you've got it planned maybe it's it happened by accident but maybe sometimes and and I think many many times that is also the depends sometimes it needs to be part of it during a certain time but if the brand then stands along on its own well I think and, and it also depends like what content you need and, and what really supply also you have for your event you know sometimes your website maybe not really might not have the potential to create a sub brand for your event which you want to create it maybe you're you're a publisher and you have some a brand which is maybe a bit more serious a bit more 
professional and in that you maybe have some sections on your website which you can create these <laughs> dog <laughs> which you can create these sub brands in it but maybe then you want to launch this massive conference with this website with thousands of pages with more uh, maybe it's a bit more energetic vibe and more creative that just doesn't fit in with that previous look of it maybe you just don't have the potential to build in the actual logistics of a website you know or from that point of view so maybe you just need to build it externally so so just to loop it back on this so before anyone makes a decision on where this is going to live i think that they need to have a conversation right oh, yeah. they need to, right and and so many times again we go back to those knee-jerk reactions you know people don't put a ton of thought into the the website as they're getting ready to launch it mm-hmm. and they end up having to do something that isn't part of a plan mm-hmm. right and it ends up where it shouldn't have to be but you know because we're talking about this is the kind of marketing or we're moving into that. So once you've got that site up and you need to market that site, you know, what are some of your thoughts on promotion of the site across social media, right? You know, is it Insta? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Facebook? Is it, it depends. Is it, you know, my rule of thumb is, you know, you really need to promote it where your audience is, you know, and, and yeah. here's the prime example of this. We, I used to work with a client, that had a Yahoo group and they kept that Yahoo group. And that is where they did their marketing for a year up until Yahoo shut down groups mm-hmm. last year, because they actually had, I kid you not like 15 or 20,000 people in this flipping Yahoo group, right? That I hadn't thought of Yahoo in 10 years. And when I went and looked, it's like, they're still active. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, you know, so I get the answer on that one might, might be, it depends, you know, but what are you seeing as far as promoting your website? Yeah. On social media? I mean, I think like I am a massive person of look where your audience is too. And I a hundred percent agree with that. Like, I don't think there's social medias that work better or worse for all. I think there's industries and it all like, it's, it's very different. If we're talking about, uh, maybe a, a professional event, um, maybe a finance or something, well, maybe all it's going to be on LinkedIn. We're talking about festival, concert. Uh, well, maybe you've got a better opportunity on Facebook, on TikTok, on Instagram. I think they all have like their advantages and disadvantages. And I think it also very much depends. I mean, there's a lot of people to talk around, look where your audience is. But usually audience is also on across a few different social medias. So I don't think it's only a question about look where your audience is, is but target your messages to where your audience is. So let me go a bit into detail of that. Maybe you are on a bit more of a professional and your audience is going to be on LinkedIn. Okay, LinkedIn is a much better uh, social media to promote a website than, for example, Instagram. Instagram is a bit dreadful to send a link. I mean, now that they now that in your stories, you can add a link on your stories, but you still can't add them in, like, in your posts or anything. So it, it, they aren't very good to promote a website in itself, the same as TikTok. Maybe Facebook and LinkedIn are better first social medias to promote an event in itself. But maybe your audience aren't usually... So maybe we're using... LinkedIn as a primary one to announce speakers maybe and to announce more of that business related. But your audience are probably also in their free time. So maybe in their work time, they're a bit more on LinkedIn, but in their free time, they're probably likely somewhere else. They're probably on Instagram or on Facebook in their free time. Well, what different message can we target to them in that time so that we're still related to them? So, you know, there are a lot of strategies you can do to like be on across various different ones. And so many people talk about different messaging and the different messaging is they just make the, they cut, you know, they make this long for LinkedIn and then they cut just two paragraphs and stick it on Twitter and Instagram. And really that is not a different content plan for different social medias. <laughs> different content plan means a full different content plan. You know, Instagram, is it behind the scenes? Like really when people at work and they're wanting to see on LinkedIn, maybe there's the announcements of new topics and banners, but maybe when they're free time in the evenings on, on Instagram, they maybe want to see some stories of you put in the, goodie boxes together you put in yeah. you know you said going to the venue and just showing around the venue behind the scenes and that is a different message that is a different content plan you may be just recording your web designer creating your web like hey coming soon coming soon look this is in production that is a different message for different social media accounts but yeah you do you do need to know a bit like where your audience is, especially what mark what message works better on different mediums and there are advantages and disadvantages again like Instagram isn't the best to send someone to your website, but what yeah. can you do with them on, on Instagram? <laughs> yeah. What could you do? 
right? And those behind the scenes pictures are a perfect example of the types of things that you can do, right? A behind the scenes picture probably isn't going to sell a registration, but for the people who are already registered, mm -hmm. that's a great way for them to feel connected with the people that are putting it, putting mm -hmm. the event together. Yeah. Or maybe a little bit more brand awareness. Yeah. Well, one thing you could do, I saw this trick while back, is for each um, platform you're on, so Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, you have a landing page specifically created for that audience. So if you're coming from Twitter, they're gonna, they've seen something that you've done specially for Twitter. So you make that page adapted and to market to those people. Mm -hmm. So for each platform, you have a unique URL that goes to a unique landing page for Twitter people, for Instagram people, for LinkedIn people. Yeah. yeah and, and you I think then that take works. them through to content that is of interest to them. Yeah. Of I mean, that works really nice on Instagram because, like, since you can only have one link in your bio yeah. and that works really nice, like, like we were talking about before, keeping the content life and active, you know, like not just putting your – link to your website yeah. there, which is always the same. Maybe you're running right now a strategy, which is, yeah, it's promoting certain content, a certain link to a certain part of your site during your whole week. This is your campaign. Or maybe it's just today you change that link and you direct people different places, like going to that thing again, like it's not just going to be there forever. You change it, you make it the same as you're changing website, you change your links on your social media accounts for a certain strategy to draw people a certain place. Well, that brings us nicely to another question, next question, mm -hmm. not another question, to a next question. So with that in mind of like landing pages and keep the content fresh and all that, what sort of features should a website have? I know the word depends is going to come back again. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah. just going to. But so you've got people coming in from different platforms. They've seen your content in different places. So what would a website, what features should the website have that's going to keep them interested or coming back or what's going to keep them you know wanting to know more okay yeah so obviously there are a load of different things you can add on it and again depends also a lot the type of event and the stage we meant let's remember that of the stage i mean events go through stages you know maybe your stage one is a sponsor or a speaker acquisition so you need some theaters and later on with attendee acquisition you different ones but i'm going to talk like some must have like it doesn't matter why i mean must have more than theaters information is you need the date and the location of your event right right at the top right there really visible that's like you know has to be obviously description of why but then more theaters are obviously a registration but let's not just say registration let's talk about easy registration let's talk about like we were saying before friction frictionless registration easy registration which people can get to and find to very easily we need an FAQ like we were talking about before. So important. FAQ, two FAQs for me. That's the thing. One FAQ for tickets, right below your tickets, right below that buy now button. There needs to be a tickets FAQ with ticket related questions, which are going to answer that question they're having in the moment of buying your tickets. But then on your contact page, which for me is a master contact page, contact page with your social media links, with your contact, with your email and phone number. With a phone number. <laughs> <laughs> with a phone number people want to know they can contact you people want to know more than anything like i mean you're not a shoe shop that they they're gonna ask you where are my shoes they should have arrived yesterday but if they're coming to your event and they know they might get lost on their way they want to know they can contact you if they need you and you need to show that you are there for them and yes because if your FAQ, if your if your faqs are effective enough and your content is effective enough you won't have people phoning you every five minutes. The phone number is for the people whose question doesn't fit in with the FAQs mm -hmm. or there's been a problem with the purchase or they've got confused over something, they overpaid, underpaid. You know, it's for all those that don't fit in. And also it gives people the confidence to say, oh, look, there's a phone number, the street address. Perfect. We can trust these guys. Yeah. And although That's we're becoming fewer and fewer, there are some people out there who just don't do tech. They don't web getting them to sign up online and that was great. They did it. Now they're going to put w w their computer away and not look at it for until the next time they have to register an event. Mm -hmm. you, you do, you know, especially in medical fields with doctors, pharmaceutical, you know, those types of events, you know, we run, we, we run into those events all the time where the phone rings off the hook because mm -hmm. these are not technology. They're they just don't do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you need to, I mean, like we're organizing events, you're in, we're in the industry for people. You need to be there for your people. You need to service them. And like you were saying, Bob, yeah, answer to all those questions ahead of time. Make an FAQ with every single draft, every single possible reply. Where's the venue? How can I get there? What transport can I use? What's the closest um, hotels? What happens? But what happens if someone gets lost and there's no answer to that FAQ? Well, you don't want them wandering around the city, getting lost and hating this horrible experience for you and going home or arriving at your event really related. They want You want them to give you a call and say, I'm in front of the pink building. Where is your building? I cannot find it. Um, you know, and you want to be there for them and deliver that extra experience. But yeah, so for me, that contact page is a must with a way for them to contact you and with an in-depth FAQ. Not the, now we're not talking about your tickets FAQ now. We're talking about all those event logistics FAQ. Okay, what else do we need? Um, I think we need a sponsors page. A sponsors page promoting those people who are supporting you. Okay, if we're running a trade show, that sponsors page needs to go down to individual sponsor pages. But actual sponsors pages, they're not just they don't just show your logo and say this is the buy of the sponsor and these are the way you can link to them. But but that actually can promote them if you're running a trade show. You should be saying, We're so happy to have these really cool guys coming on our trade show. This is what they do. These are clients they've worked with these are testimonials their clients have had these are ways these are the what their booth is going to look like if you if you want to see them this go here this is the activities they're going to be running this is the sessions they're going to be on these are the speakers you know actually have real content in there really promote your speakers like i think sponsors i think like many times on the website of trade shows ahead of time people don't promote their sponsors enough as they should be doing and and we should be. I think we should be including more details on that. And the same. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I I don't think that sponsors get the love. You know, so many groups treat their sponsors as cash machines, um, and they don't reciprocate. You know, you know, and I think that there are ways to bring the sponsors in. You know, just exactly as you said. You know, without actually making it salesy, right? You know, you can have editorial content for your site that includes quotes from sponsors that, you know, sponsors can write articles about a pain point they solve without actually talking about their themselves and selling you a particular product, you know? So I, I 100% agree with that. I think that so many organizations do a horrible job promoting their sponsors. Oh yeah. I must say, I've seen very few people doing a great thing on that front of their websites. Like, especially now at the last few years with virtual events, yes. Like they get a lot of time, this virtual booth, which is all this information in there. But, uh, and so you forget to put it on the website, but I think it's so important. And especially like you said, with everyone else, I mean, just look at your, at uh, the rest of the uh, people in your space. Are they giving this amazing experience to their sponsors? Um, well, if they're not, that's your opportunity, you know, like they're gonna, your sponsors are gonna, like if they've just got a logo on their on their homepage, maybe a page that goes through there to their page, and you're giving them this massive page which users can go to. Yeah, you, so, you're winning points. And at the event, here's a cool idea. So we actually, for a virtual event anyway, it would work in person as well. But we had a, a client that actually, um, the sponsor wanted to do a session. So they did mm -hmm. it. So they said it can't be a sales pitch. Um, but, you know, during a break, you can have 30 minutes, you know, in this virtual room. Um, and what they ended up doing was a how-to, how to use their product. They never talked, yeah. never sold their product. It was just a, this is how you use it. It ended up having, uh, the room capped out at, I think, 65 people. Again, it was a 300-person event, mm -hmm. but it was packed, right? It, like, literally, it filled up the 65 seats yeah. in two minutes. Wow. Um, so, again, there are cool, unique little things that you can do to mm -hmm. get give your sponsor some love without, you know, without, again, having it be a sales pitch. Yeah. And I mean, if you record that thing, that's then the extra benefit that I was talking about before, after your event, you know, just chuck that video in that page then and show yeah. your sponsors like, well, you know, you got on your day of your event, 65 people, first five minutes, but look, this can also reach this amount of other people. You know, you're not promising anything. You're not charging them to get those, you know, you're not promising them thousands of visits to the page, but it's just an extra where they're going to be like, oh, wait, now more people can see it and I can get more people even way past events. Well, yeah, because your video is now on this site, which is still active. It's still alive and people can still see it. Yeah. So, mm. any, so any other trend or any other, not trends, any other things that should be included on a website? Wow. Oh, wow. I don't really know what I said. Well, I mean, I think like, oh, what was I going to say? Well, I think same thing goes with speakers and agenda, yeah. you know, like I think we need to be doing way better job with speakers and agendas. Um, 
you know, actual given content about it um, before. But I also think for me, a must have really for any event is not for the selling pipe, but for your attendees. There, I think there is so lost potential, such a lost potential of like having an attendee page for, for, yeah, not for gathering people, but once the week before, send them a link. Here's your everything to know because you've probably sent them thousands of emails with, you're in your attendee journey. Well, here's the location. Here's the time. Here's the session. Here's the thing. And, you know, we're all overwhelmed with messages. We're all overwhelmed with finding it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember to see that there. But if we could just send them a page, myevent.com slash experience, attendance, my attendance, my dashboard, my whatever, that just says, hi, Francesca. I mean, it doesn't even need to be personalized, but I'm looking forward to seeing on date at damn massive big like this. Here's the look, here's the venue. Here's the, here's how to get there. Here's the uh, link to Google maps, a link to all these different maps. Here's the closest restaurants. Just basically all that information, which you put together, which you send across thousands of different emails, all on one page. And that can have links, you know, that can then have links. Here's your list ahead of the event. Okay. List two speakers, list two agenda, list two sponsors, list two thousands of links in there, but just one place, you know, you don't want them to remember in all these thousands of places if you told them to go to. And, and I see very few people doing something for their, for their splinters. Like you can say, this is your, I mean, and we've got apps for that and people do use apps, but then, you know, you don't really need an app if you can do it on your website and you can save yourself well, thousands of dollars. <laughs> and then you can actually start putting it in every email you send, right? Yeah. You know, you can put the link to that page because you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, most organizations that we work with, uh, you know, do the things before things to know before you go email, mm-hmm. but you're right. It's not put on the website that often and that actually would be a better place for it to live and just keep in everything you send direct people to that page because you know that goes back to the contact page the more you give them good information the less they're going to contact you (laughs) and i mean i think like what you said there with the emails i see like so many people like and i mean i think that goes back to what we're talking with content and everything like there should be a section on your on your website there's just news latest news info whatever with all these announcements like we do all these announcements via email, but why aren't they on a live place? We only like, yeah, like 10 things you need to know before your event, 10 activities you can go to at the event, all these things, which we spent a lot of time. They're really creative and they're really cool, but we just send them once via email. Miss opportunity for everyone else. Also, why wouldn't people that are not registered want to know that information searchable? Why isn't it also in a place that people can go back to find, you know, like a section of news like i think glastonbury does this really well like on their website not sure if you've ever seen it but they've got this massive news you know they've got a great website actually with so much information on there and you basically click to somewhere else and to someone else and they go back to like years like i don't know like two decades ago or i don't even know if it's a thing maybe a decade ago with every single year they've got the information of their events past and that's a big thing for me too like i think like history you know tell the story from behind if you've been going for years why not have the information, have photos from one before. Say that this was the first year you did and you only had 10 people there and now you're a 10,000 people event. You know, show that growth. And and that's, a, I personally really think like a story also behind the actual event goes really nice on there. And story of telling who's the people behind, introducing the team, introducing someone saying like, hey, on the door, you're going to see this face. Here's if you need help with this, you know, um, telling more of a story at your, on your, on your event. And that is actually the perfect place to draw it to a close because now we've talked for an hour and four minutes, which is absolutely <laughs> Um And I, I think that hopefully this this gives a lot of food for thought for a lot of event producers, associations, corporations, whoever is listening um, and wants to do a better job with their website. I think we've hit on some really cool and actionable mm-hmm. things that people can do. Um, if you want to find out more about Francesca, uh, check the show notes. We will actually have a link to her LinkedIn profile as well as her company. Um, and for he, us here at the bullet list, Bob, do we want mm-hmm. to see? No. <laughs> <laughs> you always do this. You ask me a question expecting a set answer. No, no, we, no, that's it. Um, well, I think we've entertained long enough and, and we've taken up a Francesca's time long enough. So, uh, but we'll have to have you back because this conversation, I mean, we've touched the surface. Each thick mm-hmm. question that we've put to you, uh, it's it just such a big hole to go down. There's so much to it. So we'll have to have you back. 
Yeah. Yeah, I said to you guys before, and I am really sorry that I just I'm so not straight to the point. I could just talk on way too long. And I'm it's sorry for like this meant to be half an hour and it's an hour. That's okay. We can break it into two. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. On that note, let's call, draw it to a close. Thank you for, again, Francesca, for being here. And Bob, I will catch you next time. Thank you See guys you so time. much for having me on. Catch you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Bullet List Show. You can find more episodes on our blog at bullet-list.com or on your favourite podcast platform. The blog has an RSS feed so you can keep up with the latest news. There's also a podcast RSS feed if that's what you prefer. Both feed details can be found on the blog. Finally, we have a Facebook group where we welcome your feedback, ideas for topics and suggestions for guests. Please come and join us. We're looking forward to seeing you there.